Happy Wednesday. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Pete Callender here and uh, got in studio. He is a local district court judge, and he's also a candidate for North Carolina Court of Appeals. Seat 11, Judge Michael Stadding. Welcome back to the program, Judge. How are you? Or your honor, am I supposed to say? (laughs) No, no, we're out of the courtroom. I don't have that kind of ego. Okay. But uh, uh, thank you, Pete. Obviously, very good to see you again. So, yes, because last time we spoke was before the primary. That's right. You cleared the primary in the Republican primary. And so now you're uh, running for the statewide seat. This is a statewide seat, right? That's right. All all 100 counties can vote. Uh, I've had folks tell me in, you know, adjacent counties, hey, I can't vote for you. I was like, no, no, if you're in the state of North Carolina, you can. Right. Um, and so before, and it's just by coincidence that you are here, uh, as right now the, uh, the verdict is being read, uh, in the trial of Daryl Brooks. He has been found, um, guilty of first degree, recklessly endangering safety, use of a deadly weapon, homicide, just, he's got 76 counts against him. Daryl Brooks is the, or as he referred to himself while representing himself in this trial, uh, he's the alleged defendant. He kept calling himself the alleged defendant. And he did not want anybody using his name in the proceedings. He represented himself, uh, and he is the uh, he was on trial for driving his, his car, his SUV, through the Christmas parade in Waukesha, Wisconsin. Uh, but I, I guess a year, I guess it was 2021, maybe 2020. Um, it looks like, I mean, the judge right now is reading through all 76 of these verdict slips. And That's going to take a while. It's going to take a while. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, um, so first off, and I know that you're not, so tell me what the parameters are yeah. for judges uh, and candidates for, uh, for judgeships. Right. Because Treat, the same. it doesn't matter this case is in a different state. You are limited in what you are allowed to discuss. Right. For appearances in the judiciary, we, we need to make sure that we don't interfere with things and everything is unbiased. And so judicial standards is pretty clear that if a case is pending, which folks might think this one is not pending anymore, it just ended. But there's an appellate process um, many times. And so it, it may not be over. Yeah. And so uh, we're, we're not supposed to give any you know opinions on that. On the specifics of the case, or are you allowed to speak in generalities about, like, for example, I'll ask you. Uh, about the judge in this case, I thought she's done a very good job of keeping this guy who I'm saying this is completely bonkers um, and he's representing himself. Uh, He has taken advantage of a lot of the work that his lawyers did before he fired them all, but she keeps doing something called making a record. So can you speak to what the purpose of making a record is in a trial like this? Yeah, uh, delighted to do that. So that actually comes into play with the job that I've applied for here. Um, I'm in trial court now. Now it's district court. There's superior court and district court. Presumably that's their equivalent of superior court there uh, because of the nature of the charges, the felonies. And um, throughout that entire proceeding, there's a record of what happens. Every word that's said, every objection, every ruling by the judge, the jury instructions, uh, every single thing's recorded. And so the judge has to take uh, particular care to make sure that that record is perfect. Because if there is an appeal, it goes up to their equivalent of the Court of Appeals or maybe their Supreme Court at some point in time. And what that court's going to look at is the record that's made from the trial court. Why is that, imp- why is that important? Because the, the judges at the appellate level are looking to see if there's errors that were made in the trial setting so that they can correct them if there were any, or they may come back and say there were none. 
And they, it, right, because they're not going to watch court TV. They're not going to watch the video, right? You're just you basically can only look at whatever was done in the courtroom, whatever the record on appeal is that's submitted. So uh, you know, usually that's going to be the transcript with the exhibits and um, whatever the parties file. Does it make it? more difficult because you used to be you were a defense attorney right for a while you were a prosecutor for a while that's right um does it make it more difficult when you have somebody in the courtroom that is pro se yes that's representing (laughs) themselves i was going to say crazy but uh yes that's a better question yes so wholly unrelated to that particular case i have been in that particular setting when uh we've had a pro se defendant when i was a prosecutor and uh, obviously, they're not as familiar with court protocol, with objections. Uh, the law. The law, you know, yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> things that are completely out of left field if you're typically in a courtroom. And, uh, yeah, it can really get things off the tracks. Do you, do you want to share any of that exp- any of that case? Are you allowed to? Uh, or you probably- I mean, it, it, it's over. I mean, yeah. we, we, had a, we had somebody that kept trying to get in the sheriff's office over and over again. And then finally, they got him. And uh, I just happened to be the, the, the appellate DA sitting there in, in Superior Court, and it was a misdemeanor. It was appealed, so that was my job, hmm. uh, which is great because you do tons of jury trials. Uh, but they fired every attorney they had, and they had many. And ultimately, they represented themselves, and uh, they asked some pretty interesting questions during jury selection, which um, you know, may have caused them to have a panel that was not as helpful to them at that point in time because they, they, they kept – kicking everybody right which i've sat through a couple of the voir dire right i've sat through several of those and uh in the course of uh my reporter career and um it is i'm sure there's science to it but it seems always it has always seemed to me to be more art like you're trying to get a read on people and trying to figure out is this one going to be hostile to me is this one going to be hostile to the defense and, and vice versa and so it's it's trying to get a sense of of where people are. And uh, there was a lawyer who told me years ago that, well, he said he, he, he always, he never could predict the jury trials. And he said, uh, one day he went in, he thought he had like this really great, um, clothes and he thought the, the, the jury was on his side and then they come back and, uh, they rule against him. And at some point somebody had a slip of paper in the jury box and some, one of the jurors had drawn like a hangman, little noose thing. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and he was just so, he was so off the mark on what his read was, what the jury was thinking. You never know. Um, I mean, we all had our, our little tricks and our indications of how we thought things were going to go. And we would all, you know, guess before they came back. Uh, there was never any bets placed, but we would always kind of guess how a jury would go. And uh, my, my little theory on that was that if you could pick out the four person and you had them nailed, then maybe you had a good idea of how things were going to go. Hmm. Uh, but like you said, I, and that's the perfect description. It's probably more art than science. Yeah, because you don't know, and, and, and that's why they do the trial, right? No, that's and then why they have the trial on something completely unrelated to whatever that you know, yeah, baby, was the actual issue. Well, and that's advice I took. I, I, I so I don't I don't make predictions on on jury outcomes, and right. I don't make predictions on election outcomes. So let's talk a little bit about the election next. Uh, yes, sir. My uh, my guest here is Michael Stadding. He is a judge here in Mecklenburg County, but he's running for the North Carolina Court of Appeals seat number eleven. You can check him out at judgestatting.com. That's S-T-A-D-I-N-G, judgestatting.com. More with Judge Stadding in a moment. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. 
Judge Michael Stadding is with me uh, in studio. He is running for the North Carolina Court of Appeals. Um, and uh, we had him on the program back during the primary, as well as his opponent in the Republican primary. You won the, the primary, and now you are running statewide for this Court of Appeals seat. Um, uh, this is, uh, how many seats are there actually on the Court of Appeals? Is it like 15? You got it, 15 total. Okay. And so, and you always hear the cases in a panel form, right? Of three. Okay. Yeah, you know your stuff. Well, yeah, I hope so <laughs> at this point. Uh, so the three, uh, and so the panel then, there is an ability, though, to go to the full appeals court, right? If, like, a panel makes a decision. Right. That, there's an appeal by right uh, statute. Um, I'm, well, there's other statutes, too, that govern, but but that's correct. Okay. Um, if there's a dissenting judge at that point, it can be appealed up. Okay. And your opponent is Darren Jackson. Now, if that name sounds familiar to people, um, it's because Darren Jackson used to be the House Minority Leader of the Democratic Party, House Minority Leader, uh, up until like two years ago or so. I that's, think he, he was appointed. Right. Yeah, that's so right. he, he's not ever been elected to this seat. He was appointed to fill a, an unexpired term for somebody else, right? Right, Um Justice Phil Berger Jr. won for the Supreme Court, and at that point in time, his seat was empty, and uh, the, the governor uh, put in Darren, Darren Jackson. Jackson. That's right. Who had never served correct as a judge before. Right, at the trial level or the appellate level. That's right. correct. He was, a, he was a lawyer, right? He is a lawyer. It, it, yes, he, he is. Um, and, and I think you know something you were talking about earlier that's important. You were saying, hey, why do they do this record? Uh, well, it's for appellate court, and since I've actually been in the trial court setting— I mean, my entire career, uh, and especially the last four years as a as a judge in the trial court. I mean, I think that that experience is very relevant. Um, it kind of gives you that tangible first person experience before you go on the court and start looking at stuff in the abstract. Those mm-hmm. transcripts, those exhibits. I mean, you can kind of put your head where it needs to be before you hear the uh, the arguments and look at the evidence. Do you read the transcript and like think it's like acted out in your brain like you got i, I mean i, I kind of see stuff in my right. head like that yeah yeah, yeah i do they got a different person that that helps that definitely helps me out. right um have you ever had any of your decisions at the district level ever appealed up through it, these pro uh, the, the appellate process i mean to my knowledge there was maybe as a one one landlord tenant issue appealed at some point in time mm-hmm. and uh i never got back telling me anything to correct it so uh I think we're doing good right now. Yeah, all right. Well, that's and, good news. And I, I hear a lot of cases, so I'm pretty happy about that. Yeah. Uh, and so what was the focus? So, And you, you've you been serving in the at the district court level, not the superior court level. What's the difference? So I kind of explained the, the court system like a four-story building. You know, down at the bottom is district court. Um, I'm down there sweeping the floor. Uh, but it's, it's, uh, it's a little bit of everything. So you're going to get criminal, civil, family, um, you know, domestic violence. There's some uh, specialty courts. I'm in. I'm in a drug treatment court right now. Used to handle truancy court, um, but that's just for kids for not, not well, going to school. It's actually for their parents who don't get them there generally at that level. I was a. Uh, I was assigned to an elementary school, and it's it's a good thing. Uh, it, it helps educate some of the parents. It actually it, it is productive. It's better than hammering them because the result we want is not for them to have a criminal record, but for the child to actually start getting the education they need. So that was good. Uh, and then the treatment courts are fantastic. It's kind of your sunny spot. Uh, sometimes when, you know, you know, court's not always a happy place. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually somebody leaves happy, somebody leaves mad. Uh, maybe both people leave mad. But when you're in treatment court, generally you're, you're trying to, it's that one component where you're not hammering people, but you're trying to help them through addiction or something. And, 
you know, so you get a little flavor of everything in district court, which is what's great about moving from that to court appeals. Superior court is the next story in the building, and um, that's kind of the high drama stuff people see on TV, like what what you were talking the about. The serious uh, cases. Right, the, the, the felonies when they get to trial, um, the civil cases that are more expensive. Um, some of those cases that we're talking about there, they only stay in district court, and, and they go there from there to the court of appeals. Uh, so that's your county courthouse. And then for stories three and four, you're going to have to drive down 85, go to 40. And uh, that's, that's the Raleigh courts, and that's uh, court of appeals. And the uh, Supreme Court, ultimately the highest court in North Carolina. Yeah. Right. I'm trying to think. There are no – There are there any statewide judges from Mecklenburg County? Uh, no. The last one that ran and was successful was uh, Eric Levinson. And that yeah. was 2002, so 20 years ago. Wow. Yeah. There's not any uh, – yeah. So has that been a problem, do you think, for someone coming out of Mecklenburg County? I don't know. I, I don't know the equation that leads people to do it or not to do it. Um, I mean, I think the vast majority of folks that run for that are probably from uh, the Raleigh-Way County area. I think the I think the map would show that if you plotted where they live and yeah. where their job is. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's in, it's in, I didn't it's, realize it's not, that there had been that. Yeah, it's not a huge pay raise. So, I mean, it's not like there's a financial incentive. It truly has to be a calling. Well, and I guess also if you don't have a lot of Republican judges in Mecklenburg County, is not much of a farm team. So I think that's a pretty good observation, too. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I'm that's, trying to be respectful of not trying to no, I, I lead think, you into areas. You can object, by the way, at no, any no, point. No, and you could call it a sustained or no, however. Think, you can rule. I, 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 think that's, <laughs> I think that's a good um, that's, that's a good observation. Yeah. I mean, obviously, if you have less of a bullpen to pick from, then uh, you're going to have less options and, and yeah. less judges are going to be there. So if I'm not allowed to ask you this or you can't comment on it, feel free to say so. Um, have you seen any cases that have been in the news or anything like that that you have thought, I wish I could have participated in that either dissent or opinion, like, oh, I would have liked to have heard that case? Uh, goodness. Uh, I mean, I really can't think of any. Hmm. Uh, sometimes you see results and you're surprised by them. I mean, I, you know, every, every judge has different thoughts on, uh, on how to interpret the law. And uh, some take a more active role, maybe, and uh, then, you know, some others think is appropriate. Yeah. You know, I have a pretty strong view of federalism and that lawmakers are called lawmakers for a reason. They make the policy. If you don't like the policy, every two years we can, we can vote on that. And then the judges, uh, I mean, they have their they have their own narrow lane federalism, and that's that's to interpret the law when there's uh, when there's disputes. So, and this you you mentioned this term interpret the law, which yeah. that I, what I have found as I've gotten older is that that means very different things, correct, to different people. Yeah, um, so that's where judicial philosophy comes in, and I consider myself to be a textualist informed by originalism, and so it's um, I mean, really, a judge needs two things. You need especially what I'm doing now. You need common sense and you need principle. Um, or as I say, sometimes brain activity and a backbone. And, um, you know, as a textualist, you, you just, what's your common sense tell you? What do the words say? And you don't need to uh, do legal gymnastics. You don't need to substitute your own judgment in for what the, the ordinary meaning of words are. What about for old words? You know, you're reading something that was written in North Carolina. I guess it's a little different because we have a fairly recent Correct. Yeah. constitution. That's so right. Yeah. That's easier. But but if you're looking at the federal constitution or something, 
I mean, that's what the Federalist Papers are for, and, and, and that's where original meaning comes into play, is that the, the text, you're, you're then informed by what the original intent was or what the original meaning was. What, what do these words mean to someone in New America uh, when the Constitution was ratified? Mm-hmm. And that's where that comes into play. You want to stick around for another segment? I'd be happy okay. to do it. Uh, Judge Michael Stadding is with me. He's running for North Carolina Court of Appeals. We'll have more with him in mere moments. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Joining me in studio, North Carolina Court of Appeals, seat 11, candidate and current district court judge in Mecklenburg County, Judge Michael Stadding, and uh, his website, judgestadding.com. That's, uh, his last name is spelled S-T-A-D-I-N-G. Uh, and I uh, failed to ask you this for folks who aren't uh, aware of, of your background. You're a Mint Hill guy, right? Uh, you're you're local native, and so uh, give give people the uh, the the resume. The yes. in a minute. I don't uh, need the whole life. Yeah, story. sure. <laughs> Somehow a tenth generation uh, Mint Hillian. Uh, yeah. on my mom's side, but yeah, went to Independence High School. Met my wife there. Um, wrestling was my sport. I'm not really a big fella, uh, so that's that's the sport I took to and loved. Went to uh, UNC Chapel Hill to get my business degree. Uh, my parents told me to get something practical, and so that, that seemed like the most practical thing there. And then went to Campbell Law School in Bowie's Creek, North Carolina, uh, back when there was not a whole lot there. Uh, fantastic <laughs> cultural experience. I really, I really needed that after growing up in, outside of Charlotte and going to Chapel Hill, and I enjoyed it. Um, started out in— and It's a great law program. Oh, yeah. it, they taught you how to practice law, and they'd mm-hmm. embarrass you if you didn't know how to do it. So mm-hmm. it, it works. Uh, it's very Socratic. Uh, then I, uh, let's see, started out in civil work. It was a desk job and I figured out after one year I needed to be in the courtroom. So, uh, went to go work at the DA's office under first Peter Gilchrist and then Andrew Murray. Um, and, uh, after six years did about everything I could do over there. And then it became clear to me a couple things. One, um, you know, it's public service and that's, that's why you're there. There's no other reason. It's because you want to be a public servant, but I had to pay off law school, and uh, so I had to pay his loans back, and I had to pay for my three kids. And ADAs don't make a whole lot of money. They sure don't. That's a, they're public servants in every sense of the word. And uh, I started my own law firm, and I jumped to the other side of the courtroom. So did uh, criminal defense work. And then as a part of that, I represented the Fraternal Order of Police. So Lodge 9 down, uh, down on Hawthorne Lane, if they, if they needed an attorney for an officer, uh, which, you know, every now and then they need them. I would uh, I would get that call at three in the morning and, and go out and make sure they had a, they had a, an attorney out there. So I want to make sure I also had some component of public service still going, even though I was operating a private practice. Twenty sixteen um, was not bored, but always wanted to join the service. So uh, my wife, you know, allowed me. I'll Just say, thought, what the heck? I'll... Yeah, let's let you in the Air Force. And so yeah. <laughs> I went to the uh, went to commission officer training school and then JAG school, and uh, I. Uh, have been at Shaw Air Force Base the past six years at this point in time, serving as a as a JAG, which is you know an attorney for the Air Force, um, and then uh, now I'm being moved to Vance, which is uh, in the middle of the country. It'll, it'll be a lot different experience, I think. Uh, and then I got my board certification in criminal law to be a specialist. In 2018, which is a big deal, as I understand it, it in the legal uh, field, that's a big deal to get board certified in these specific areas. I, I am, I'm kind of passing over it quickly because I think people fall asleep when they hear that. But, but you're right. I mean, 50 percent of the cases of the court appeals criminal work, and uh, that was a second bar exam that was harder than the first one. And you have to get judges and, and colleagues to say that you know you're someone who should be certified. Mm-hmm. You um, you have to have had a certain amount of jury trials to verdict. You have to report all kinds of information to be board certified. It's not a joke at all. 
And do you um, know what the percentage is? I have no idea. I thought the last time I heard it was really it's a very low percentage of lawyers in the state that are actually board certified specialists. There's not a lot of them that jump through the hoops to do yeah. it. Not not at all. Um but I I felt like that's something I should do. Uh after that I, you know, again felt called to do something else and it was not for financial gain. I ran for district court in 2018. At first, um, I had somebody approach me about it, and my first response was no. And then uh, after two other people came up to me, I continued to say, uh, no, I'm good. I don't need a pay cut. I don't need to reapply for my job every four years, and I get my benefits through the military. I, I, no, thank you. And then I uh, went home and talked to my wife about it and said, hey, somebody had this crazy idea that I should run for district court. And she didn't laugh. Uh, mm. She thought it was a, a decent idea, so we, we talked about it, prayed on it, and I ran for it and uh, was successful and done everything in the world over the past four years. I told the voters I do. And, um, you know, again, uh, feel called to do something else. And I woke up at the beginning of the week one day and started wondering if I was sane. But uh, it's uh, it's been a great experience. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's an inglorious position. Uh, it's one that I really, really want to do. I'm very interested in. But when you're not running for senator, governor, but you have the same map to run on when you have all 100 counties, it's you and your car. And uh, a lot of leaving your family at home at night, um, a lot of personal, um, you know, money you put in, a lot yeah. of money, or a lot of energy you put in, your family puts in, and friends. And I, I have to say, it has been fantastic to get around the state and, and meet everybody because it's very culturally diverse. Uh, you know, the mountains are a lot different than the beach and the Piedmont, mm-hmm. and uh, each each area is very distinct and and beautiful in its own way. So you mentioned uh, the FOP. You were their uh, their uh, legal counsel for a while, and you've now gotten their endorsement, as I understand it, right? The Fraternal Order of Police. Um, crime, does this come up on the campaign trail? And you're a judge, so I'm thinking people are going to connect yeah. your race with this issue, which is all over the place. Yeah, and that's a very logical um, conclusion for people to make, that, you know, that if you have... Uh, People in office who are loose on certain issues, um, and they can't help but notice. Was it, was it John Adams that said facts are stubborn things? I mean, they, they can't help but notice some of the statistics in bigger cities, and, I mean, they connect the dots. Um, you know, that's an observation they make, and it makes sense. But, yeah, they, I've been endorsed by the uh, State Fraternal Order of Police, the uh, Police Benevolent Association, and the, the Troopers Association. I was watching um, your—it uh, wasn't a debate— but it was on the forum. public yeah, yeah. forum. It was a public television station. Where was it up in the triad? It, it was. Is that what you said? That, that's right. Oh, it was in the triangle. Triangle. It was at uh, RTP there at the PBS station. And so the you and you and your opponent Darren Jackson were there discussing various things as limited as you can. But uh, one of the topics that came up, and I've talked about this on the show over the years because I remember when it was when it was nonpartisan. And then it became, you know, labeling, they, they put the partisan labels on the ballot and then they call it partisan elections. And they are technically called partisan elections, but mm-hmm. the R and the D that are behind candidates' names, and in your case, you're a Republican, yes. uh, Darren Jackson's the Democrat, um, mm-hmm. I, I find it to be helpful because I've now spoken to you twice and I've never been in your courtroom. Right. And there's no way that I would ever have any idea what your philosophy is except if I go to your website or go to Correct. a forum and listen to you give a speech or something, there's no way for me to know. And and if people don't have time to do that kind of research, they walk into the voting booth, they have at least one heuristic, one criteria point that they can look at. Right. 
So do you oppose this idea of D's and R's next to judges' names? Uh, no, I don't because it's the law. Uh, the, I mean, the legislature makes the law, and they've decided that's the way it needs to be. Um, and and I, think, I think you're right about this. So, you know, if someone's running for governor, if they're running for Senate, they're going to have the infrastructure. They're going to have the, uh, the money that comes in from donors, and they're going to be able to get their message out. But judicial campaigns are different. Um, there's not really a wonderful reason to give to a judge. I mean, they can't return the favor. There's nothing that they can do for that donor. Um, they're giving money out of goodwill. And, and so they tend to have lower amounts of money come in. And because that's harder to get the message out. And so you're right. At least uh, there's some factor there that people can rely upon. And I, I can say this about the folks I'm running alongside on the conservative slate, if that's what you want to call it. Uh, they all stick to, adhere to a similar judicial philosophy. So you know what you're getting. And um, that's, that's, that's folks that are textualists, folks that are informed by originalism. And so you know what you're getting. You have a universe um, of an idea of what you're getting instead of just picking a name or guessing. I not considered the uh, I not the first part that you mentioned there. The, uh, uh, the you can't you can't do anything for the no, donation. Nothing. Yeah, and that's and that's illegal. so much. Yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. And it's so much of what politics is. Yeah. This transactional nature. Uh, yes, you want to believe that, oh, this person believes in everything I believe, but there's no way someone, a candidate for any office is going to believe everything that you believe. Um, but you do have kind of an idea. Uh, and I, look, I'm, I remember when they took the, the, the D's and the R's off the judge races because they used to be on them and then they took them off because Republicans were winning too much. And then they had these, uh, they had like a fake, or the, or, well, I call it the fake slate, but it was the fair judges slate that they put out. Right. And they were all they were all Democrats, and it, 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 so they mask. They it, it allows them to to cover up their judicial philosophy in a way that I think tricks people. And not only that, at the local level, and this uh, you, you don't have to comment on this, but at the local level, it seems to me like there are a lot of people in the legal community that are perfectly happy to not have us outsiders voting on judges. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. He is running for North Carolina Court of Appeals, seat 11. His name is Michael Stadding. It's spelled S-T-A-D-I-N-G. He is a local district court judge. Uh, you mentioned earlier, <laughs> and we were kind of joking about it, but um, your endorsement list, you did not name the one you got today. Do you, and I'm not sure if it helps you or not. Well, I mean, I think, uh, but, I think in my particular race, it shows that they did their homework. Um, but yeah, I mean, so the, the the Charlotte Observer and the Raleigh News and Observer. The McClatchy people. Right. They they did a, their board and did endorsements uh, today. Did you um, did you sit and meet with them and talk with them? It's a phone interview. Yeah. But I think, I think they did their due diligence. Uh, like I said, I'm only speaking for my race, mm -hmm. but they did their due diligence and they, they reached out to people who have been in my courtroom. Okay. And uh, I don't, I mean, I don't know what they said. Uh, they Obviously they nothing were terrible. Anything they want to say. Yeah. And uh, I, I guess they said good things. Yeah. Well, that's, that's good. Living, living right has its benefits, right? Yeah, they did. And I mean, it was, it was kind of nice. I mean, they, they said the breadth of experience is what they chose. They said a uh, greater breadth of legal experience as a judge, prosecutor, and JAG officer. And they said uh, attorneys before him lauded his fairness, compassion, and deep grasp of the law. So, 
Very happy about and it. it's and I will say this: it's surprising that they, uh, first off, because of the way they lean politically, but also it's surprising because Darren Jackson was the longtime House Minority Leader, of the Democrats uh, in the General Assembly. Yeah, and I, well, I, I'm just I'm grateful. I'll yeah. say that I, I'm grateful that they did their homework on this one, and um, you know, it, it gives us hope. And I also say this: it kind of highlights the difference um, in my race. I mean, you know, there's somebody who's been in the legislature. He's been part of the lawmaking body. Has been uh, part of the partisanship there, and then you know, a leader in the partisan nature of the lawmaking body. Yeah, right. And then put on the courts, which again, we our opinions don't matter. Uh, our opinions have no weight. It's what is the law, and um, and then the other choice is, like I said, uh, someone number one from around here uh, who's vested in North Carolina, who's been here for a very long time, my entire life. And uh, has experience from all sides of the courtroom and has gotten serious and has set as a, a trial court judge. And so um, not only that, but, but a public servant because you know, I've been a prosecutor and we gave up money for that. I ran for judge. We gave up money for that. And, I mean, I, I joined the Air Force because, I mean, it wasn't for any gain. It was because I felt compelled to serve the country. I felt called to do that. And, I mean, I'm not flying planes or driving tanks. I'm an I'm a, I'm a attorney. But, but that's that's what they let me do, and that's what I can do for them. Um, there was a question that the uh, uh, the observer, the McClatchy folks, asked Will Duran. I guess you it, did. Will Duran interview you, uh, Peter St. Ange. Okay. Um, the, so Duran, I guess, wrote up the candidate bios that were up on their website. And one of the questions I thought it was interesting, and I guess they were limited, just you know, as I have been in what I can ask you and what you can answer and that sort of thing. But I thought they asked. What reforms, if any, do you think could make the criminal justice system more fair? And as a guy who asks questions for a living, you, um, well, prior to your judgeship, but um, I just thought that question had, it's making some assumptions, it seems like. First off, that the criminal justice system is not fair, or it can be more fair, that it's not being run fairly right now, but also as a judge... Is that really appropriate for a judge to be weighing in to say, hey, the system's not fair. We need to do it differently. Right. We can't say we've been violating our oath since we've uh, taken it. Uh, It's it's it's, it'd be hard to answer that and give any kind of response. I mean, number one, I mean, we live in the greatest country in the world and our justice system, the way it was set up is amazing. You know, earlier I kind of said something about. Uh, maybe some jurors focus on some things that are interesting. But at the end of the day, it, it is the best system, and it's the fairest system, and it gives everybody the best chance to prove their innocence. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I shouldn't say that because they don't have to prove their innocence, but it, it right. gives them – I mean, they're presumed innocent, but you know, it, it certainly allows them to keep that presumption of innocence in place unless the state proves otherwise beyond a reasonable doubt, the highest legal burden. So it's the best system out there. Well, yeah, this was my beef with the, uh, the January 6th. Uh, committee uh, uh, up in Congress was that it wasn't an adversarial format. And right. so I don't get to hear somebody else making the counter arguments. That's just, I mean, that, that's a show trial. That's the, and that is a very little value to me. Like I'll take it under advisement, yeah. whatever you guys find. Okay. But I can't trust that it's credible because I don't have somebody there making the opposing case. Right. I mean, if we're ever going to take someone's Liberty away from them, number one, there's going to be an incredibly high threshold. And, um, you know, number two, the state has to put forth, the government has to put forth the evidence to do that. 
Uh, it's not something we take lightly, and our Constitution reflects that. So, I mean, it's, you know, I, I've, I've always upheld my oath, and I've always done my job and been fair to everybody in my courtroom and applied the law as it is. And um, I'm not going to say I didn't because I did. So it's rare that I get a judge on the program, so I, I feel like I need, um, I need to ask you this. In the world of condiments, <laughs> in the world of condiments, mayo, ketchup, mustard, what is the superior condiment in your view? Um, and I will, I will argue for one of them if, if we don't agree. Go so ahead. I guess it depends what, what we're eating here. Um, I mean, you know, if it's, it's, if it's October, maybe, maybe mustard's more appropriate for Oktoberfest. But, uh, you know, I'm from Mint Hill, so I'm going to say ketchup. Fir- wait, 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 why? Well, the first response wait, I gave was uh, Chick-fil-A sauce, but I, I don't know if that qualifies. I th- I'd say that qualifies. Okay, then that's the answer. Chick-fil-A sauce. <laughs> that's the superior condiment. That's it. So my argument is, because I've given this a lot of thought, Yeah. my, my, my argument is for mayo, because okay. I don't even know if you get the Chick-fil-A sauce without mayo. I th- like, oh, man. Right? Trump, Trump card. See what I, so many things yeah. but it has come to be a from mayo. Type of mayonnaise? Well, it's not Miracle Whip, right. because that's not mayo, but it doesn't matter to me, Dukes or Elmas. Okay. Either one's, I like both of them. Okay. Just as a condiment. Mayo is the superior condiment. That's my, uh, that's, uh, that's my argument. It goes on everything the other ones go on. I, I have three kids. Ketchup's pretty, pretty standard in our household. It's sugar. That's, that's it. Right. That's it. But you wouldn't have ranch without mayo either. Do your <sighs> kids like ranch? Uh, actually, they, they don't. Oh, my gosh. It's interesting. All right, well, he just lost the mayo demographic there. <laughs> All right, uh, best of luck on the campaign trail. Thanks for hanging out. I appreciate it. Thank you, Evan. All right, that's Judge Michael Stadding, judgestadding.com. News is next.